Hello and welcome back to our generation on air. My name is Alex Fillmore and I'm joined yet again uh, by Dan Lambert. Dan, welcome. Hello, how are you? Oh, good, good, thanks. Um, this week, QPR have the fun prospect of facing the two top scorers in the division. We're talking about players, of course. Uh, tomorrow, QPR plays Fulham, who have... Mitrovic in their ranks, uh, so that's a 12.30 kickoff, and many fans are still trying their best to source a ticket to what is looking like one of the most sought-after matches of the season. Why? I, I, I have no idea why it actually would be, but it just seems to be the case. And then on Tuesday, we have Blackburn at home, who have a certain Chilean striker in their ranks, who seems to be scoring for fun right now. Um, and then after that, we'll take a brief look at our own high-scoring striker, uh, the one and only Macaulay Bon, of course. So, without further ado, let's get into Fulham. Fifth in the league uh, with 18 points. How's their season gone so far, do you think? Um, well, probably slightly underwhelming to what most, the majority of um, what EFL fans and Fulham fans probably would have would have thought, considering they, um, they went into the season as probably stand out stand out favorites really um they probably statistically they've got the the best attack um in the league despite despite um their underwhelming underwhelming start perhaps and then yeah they've i mean they've struggled a few on a few occasions which I'll, I'm sure we'll go into in a in a minute but um no they've had a decent start for for them yeah, so they're you know that I think their record, if you look at it based on the table, is actually quite similar to ours. There are only a few we've scored probably I think it's is it one less goal than them, and they've conceded a few less than our ourselves. And you know that shows in the fact that we are only one one place below them, only two points below them. So for all their talent and stuff like that, there's nothing. Not that we shouldn't be worried, but it sort of shows how far we've come over the last couple of years because we kind of. I don't know about anyone else, but I sit there as a QPR fan thinking, oh God, we've got to play Fulham. You know, they're like one of the best teams in the division. And you think, oh yeah, are we kind of not one of the best teams in the division as well? It's kind of, you know, because I'm still thinking that we're 16th place with Ian Holloway as our manager. I love Ian, but you know, it's sort of, (laughs) you've got to get your head around this. Um, So I think you, you mentioned already the, they've had a few disappointing results. I had a look at their fit results and mainly in the last couple of weeks isn't it Dan that they're sort of not yeah. wheels have come off but it's been shown to be a little bit more difficult for them yeah no um it was so they lost obviously before the international break I think it was five, five one to Coventry um four five was it, was it four or four one Let's have a look. Not, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head but um they lost to Coventry they lost to Blackpool um after the international, the first international break, and they drew to Bristol City, um, who they're quite a tough time against. And well, when looking at kind of what went wrong, the one thing that they've struggled with is playing against an aggressive press. Um, Blackpool obviously are known for their four-four-two aggressive press, and well, particularly all three of the sides, they've gone man-to-man and they've gone and shut off the um, the central passing lane. So. The likes of Seri, Harrison Reed, and etc. Um, struggle to play out from the back. So that yeah, that's something that's quite interesting. I found that something perhaps that we probably won't exploit. Yeah, I was going to say. I think 
that sounds quite eerily similar to us, doesn't it? Like the curse of the Gegen press and all that. Like we can't deal with that. And we don't, it's something that we definitely don't do, especially the formation we have. We we try and fit in Cher and Willock basically into the um into the team alongside perhaps Dykes and Austin at times. And you know, it, it we have to sacrifice sort of control in the center of the fit field for that despite the fact that we have one of the best midfielders in the division and also a midfielder in Don Bull who's playing out of his skin at the moment and you know playing way above his station really um their results yeah it was 4-1 against Coventry 2-1 at home to Reading and then 1-0 at Blackpool I think the most you know the most shocking one there probably is the Coventry defeat regardless of how well Coventry has started you don't expect Fulham to be conceding four goals at this stage of the season do you really no no I mean they looked from I didn't I didn't catch the game because obviously we had three o'clock against Preston but um they just looked sloppy on the ball from the get-go really and they couldn't really deal with the press and yeah they just looked they just looked lackluster all around and then I mean Coventry fair play to them they deserved the, the win in the end but it's not not what you'd associate with this kind of Fulham side here. And I had a look at um, the interview that uh, Clive Whitton did with a couple of Fulham fans in the Fulhamish podcast. And the one thing that leaped out at me was, um, and this was a, a direct quote from Sam James, he's on the pod. He said that they have self-destructive defending at the moment, and that's what's cost them recently. Now, again, we've said that their positioning in the table was similar to us. This could be two teams with the right intentions, but the exact same frailties going at each other tomorrow in the early afternoon, surely. Like this is Yeah. Yeah, no, it could it could be. I think well, you look at their their back line, I mean, they've still got the likes of Adoy and Ream, I haven't seen them up close this season, but you'd still probably associate them as one of the, as the weaker parts of the Fulham defence. And you've got the likes of Anthony Robinson, who likes to bomb for constantly. So they've got spaces in behind. So no, you are, you are right. Um, they, that is probably their weakest area in, in terms of the system and the balance. But um, I know just going off the, uh, the, the Fulhamish pod, I thought I had listened to their pod yesterday. It's a bit off tangent, but I thought it was quite interesting that they uh they described Elias Chair as a lazy ten. Right. I yeah, mean, it's I, sort of, I, just, yeah. I just found it because they said that um he's a lazy ten and he could uh could leave space for them to exploit, and um, they're, they're going to get a bit of a surprise surprise tomorrow. I wouldn't say he's lazy. No, I think he's the opposite. But I just found it. I found it. I found it weird. It's a sort of. Um... I don't know. They just there's a there's definitely an arrogance in amongst them, isn't there? Because they should be one of the teams that win majority of their games, and they should definitely go on to get some sort of promotion. Um, and I think a lot of them probably were expecting them to absolutely piss the league, but it's not proven to be that point. And they can make their excuses and whatnot. And they, I think they said in that interview with Clive that they were, you know, they're the big scalp in the division that teams will want to beat them and stuff like that um you know there's just a general arrogance in with them and they they do genuinely believe they're sort of entitled to it a little bit which mm. i don't know can you blame them i don't know if there's certain qpr fans that think that we should be entitled to winning the league because we were in the premier league in the 90s so god knows what the right opinion is um but i think what we've can take away so far from this is that Tomorrow is just going to be goal after goal after goal. 
I can't see it being a scrappy game, right? <laughs> unless something, unless we attempt to try West Brom tactics again, which I don't think we should, because I think they're probably a little bit, I don't know, they, they've shown that they are weaker than West Brom. But if we go at them, they're going to go at us as well. Surely it's just going to be a high scoring affair. Yeah, you think you think so. I mean, um, now we've said that it'll probably be a probably be a nil-nil or something like that. But um no, I mean I was watching the Eustace um preview um that came out this afternoon and I think I don't know what to I don't know what to think about it in 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 its context, but he said that we've got to force our our style on them. Now that that's great. I think that's that's something that we should be doing, trying to impose impose our style and be dominant on teams. But I think Considering our defensive frailties uh, of late, and um, and you know it's against Fulham, and they've got they have got arguably the best attack in the league. I just think I'm not sure whether we should go all out and enforce that. I think we've got there's got we've got to be some sort of discipline on it about us. I, th- I think anyway. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of nuance. It can't just be you know um, go all out attack straight from the first whistle. There's got to be some sort of balance between the way that we play against Bristol City and the way we play against West Brom merge that together and hopefully you've got a winning um a winning strategy. Unfortunately I can't really see that happening. I can't like they've already said that oh. in the press match at pre-match conference. Like they're obviously going to go for it. And I feel like it's just going to be like um I don't know if you watched the fight last weekend between Wilder and Fury, but that you know that's to what I didn't actually I didn't watch it but I saw the clips at the end of the fight when Fury did eventually finish it off. Uh they both looked absolutely knackered. But, you know, they started obviously quite strongly. They're going at each other. That's what it's going to be with us, isn't it? Not necessarily two heavyweight clashes. You know, Fulham QPR is sort of it's less than important, really. But it's going to be two teams going hell for leather at each other. And then at the end of the game, both of them are going to be still trying to do that. But they're going to be absolutely knackered from already scoring four goals each or something like that. So it's going to, I, I, I hope it's entertaining tomorrow, you know. Haven't got a ticket for it. Um, I just, I'm a little bit worried that maybe we are slightly more defensively unstable than them. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's my that's my um, concern. I think going into going on to the, uh, the the high scoring affair or the going out at each other. I think this comes down to the, the two managers' game management. Um, I mean, Warburton's got it right on certain occasions this season but there's been others where he's kind of he's kind of been the downfall to our to our like tactical failure if you want to call it um so I think that's interesting and he isn't always known for his substitutions and getting them right as well so I think that needs to be a big part of um of tomorrow's game he needs to well he needs to yeah just manage the game to to the best of his ability and better than Fulham risk basically yeah, because like if you look at what we've done sort of recently, we've kind of made the same sort of subs, haven't we? We haven't re- we haven't mixed it up. Um, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily like him, and we, you know, having you know both of us, we are pretty much the George Thomas Appreciation Society right here. But it, there seems to be the fact that he is he's now been ignored, which will make some fans happy. But you can't go about using the same players throughout the season you've got to use your squad um i'm not saying george Thomas is going to win us the game tomorrow but you'd think that he's got to look to do something a little bit different when coming off the bench because i feel like he is a little bit too lazy and just doing the same thing over and over again 
Um, I, don't I think really it, I think it comes down to the intent in terms of Thomas. I think it comes down to the intensity of the game. He brings energy. He brings. He'll make runs. He'll yeah. He'll, he'll drive with the ball. I think it just depends on the intensity. But I think the one difference, obviously, is Fulham are blessed with that depth. They're blessed with that kind of. So I don't know. Say, um, Naiskins Cabano that has a bad game or whatever. They can bring on. They can bring on another another top championship player on the pitch. So they just they've got that uh, flexibility to to yeah have more options really off the bench but we'll see yeah yeah um i think you mentioned mitrovic there he's scored 10 goals in 11 games and averages a goal every 97 minutes um you know he's obviously a very very good championship striker less less so premier league striker but and maybe i'm simplifying this a little bit but having looked at their uh goal scorers he is the clear uh, leader of that and I think the next one is probably Wilson or Carvalho with three if we stop Mitrovic and I know that's a big challenge but if we stop Mitrovic do we stop for them um, I'd, I'd say I'd say we've got a better chance I think that's probably the best way to put it. I mean the 4-2-3-1 that they play kind of tailors around Mitrovic he's the he's the focal point he can they can They've got the ability to play it short and build up from the back, or they've got the ability to um, to go direct. So they're they're quite flexible in the way they play. But um, yeah, I know I know what you mean. I think Harry Wilson's probably the the one the other threat that really worries me. Just cut because you know he's going to cut on his left foot, but he's got the ability to still cut on his left foot, and that's the, especially the the deep runs from um, from wide. So I think. Stopping Mitrovic is the, the main priority, but they're blessed with talent all over the pitch, so it's not mm. going to be as simple as um, stopping Mitrovic. Well, they going back to that interview with Clive Whitman, they the Flemish guys said that um, the is it Fabio Carvalho and yeah Tete have been very important for them so far this season. Now, I did then go and look at who is available for this weekend, and conveniently, both of them aren't actually going to be available. I mean, how important could that be? When they were when Carvalho was in the side, they looked a much better team, didn't they? They did. Um, I think Tete Tete's the one, really. I mean, especially with Wilson, when you, when, particularly when you've got an inside forward that wants to cut in, there's always going to be a lot of space out wide, and you need that someone that can overlap. And I don't think a doy particularly has that, well, he doesn't have the engine at least to to constantly do it up, up and down the field. So that could be something that we look to exploit, specifically if um, McCallum and Wallace um, aren't, start, aren't, aren't able to start. Um, but no, Carvalho is a big, probably a big um, part of their part of their game. But I think they've got a few back. I think it's Chalabar, Nathan Chalabar and Tom Kearney might be available for the bench. Yeah, Kearney. Kenny's back. I mean, Kenny's been a player, a really weird one. Like, obviously, a few seasons ago, he was the main man for them, very important. And now, I guess, like, he's had a f- injuries and stuff like that, but he just hasn't featured that much and hasn't really been, you know, available. I mean, you look at it, having, you know, I'm, I'm a Scotland fan. So he is a championship level player who's not getting into a Scotland squad. I mean, what a. What on earth are you doing if you can't get into that Scotland squad, mate? Like, <laughs> come on. Um, 
so yeah, I, I don't not quite sure what to think about Kearney. I just certainly don't think he'll be starting or anything like that if he's just coming back from injury. But um, one of the th- other things that I found really important uh, and interesting from the interview, and you know, I guess we are basing our whole podcast for Fulham around this interview, but they mentioned that uh, in five matches this season, Fulham have where Fulham have gone behind or conceded an equaliser. In none of them, they were able to recover any points. So. Um, you know, there's clearly some sort of mental uh, fragility there with Fulham. Again, I, that, that's something that is perhaps not similar to us. Nice to find that some sort of difference eventually. You know, we've gone, you know, you look at Reading and a few other games where we've made comebacks uh, and managed to come away with points. I just certainly don't think tomorrow if we go 1-0 down, there's going to be, you know, there might be panic amongst the fans. I don't think the players will be panicking because they know that they can get back into it. And you get a goal against Fulham, perhaps they start to crumble. I don't know, what you, you know, what would you think about this? Yeah, no, um, it's just, I mean, like, I mean, it's interesting the uh, the fact that Fulham are recovering eight points, but it's kind of a pity that we don't we don't normally go one. Well, no, how, how many times have we gone one nil up um, this season? Is it? Is it we is did it against Preston, didn't we? Preston, Reading, we did. Yeah. Um, no, didn't Millwall? No, so we've done, I've done it a couple of times, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a shame we don't do that more often, but that could be something to come into into play if we if we do go ahead. But we're not particularly when we do go ahead, we're not particularly the type to drop off and sit in a low block anyway. So mm-hmm. I think as much as that's quite interesting, I think it's different against us. We're not we don't we we're not like a. I don't know, a Nigel Pearson side or a Neil Warnock side that will go one up, one up and just shut up shop. We'll we'll keep on going. For, we'll um, still give them up. opportunities, won't yeah. we? Like, yeah, we, we we I mean we've conceded a lot of shots this season so far, and um, I don't see that. Um, I, I see that continuing. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about that start against us. Um, and we've cut. Again, we've already touched on it a little bit. Um, I'd look again at the QPR team news. And on our website, it was saying that McCallum is edging closer to a return. Field and Wallace are still out for this game and will be out for the duration. McCallum is the one that's really interesting there, isn't it? Edging closer to return. We kind of hoped, based on the West London Sport article, that he would be back for this game, having with the, the international break coming at the right time for him. <clears throat> But it sounds like he won't be fit to start, at least. If he is edging closer, then it's that sounds like a nice way of saying he's going to be on the bench at the best. Well, hope, well hopefully, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't see them risking him, particularly how we're light in the left wing back position at the minute, anyway. So, I mean, it's a tough one. Do you stick with Willock and you trust him? Well, that was the next question coming to you, Dan. Who? Oh, God. <laughs> Who do you want to see play at left wing back? Because I know you've mentioned Barbe before there, and Warburton has been very harsh and ignored you completely. Well, uh, no. So I called I called Barbe for the Barnsley game, and then he didn't do it. He changed him, and then I didn't want Barbe for the West Brom game, and he played in there. So yeah, he's 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 completely ignored me in that sense. But um, no, I think I've, I think I've called for Oda Badger there a few times recently. I'd stick I'd stick him there personally. I just don't as much as Willock's done a good job for us, and he could exploit that that space that Wilson leaves in, in front of the door. I just think it's too it's too risky for me. 
against a side that will just punish you. It, you got you have to in that position. You're going to have to mark Wilson a lot, and I don't think mm-hmm. Willock Willock is capable of man. Well, we don't man mark anyway, really, but marking Wilson the whole game. So I play, I play Odebajo there. Or worst comes to worst, play Kakai there. One of one of the two. So I'm going to be really annoying and play devil's advocate here and play angry little QPR fan on Twitter and say, God, but none of our wing backs are good enough to deal with Wilson. And that's probably true. Like there's none of them are outright. I mean, you know, Kakai Wilson and Wallace and sort of proper defenders in a sense, aren't they? They're doing a job at wing back. Wallace has done a pretty good job there, but most people will say in reply to you there that, I they won't trust Odebajo to deal with him, that he's going to be up the pitch more often than not. And they definitely don't trust Kakai to deal with him. Um, obvious sort of frailty starting to come in here. You would kind of want Willock to expose Adoy, but then in a set, you don't want him ping, pinned back by Wilson and completely out of the game. So, you know, that's the that's what everyone else would be thinking. In response to that, <laughs> in uh, all right, I've got, I've got, I've got another point. Um, I don't think it matters particularly. Well, no, it does matter. Obviously, it matters. But in terms of Odebajo playing that, I don't think it's an issue personally. Wilson will cut in on his left foot, and Odebajo is right-footed anyway. So it's it's generally easier to 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 use your body to to yeah stop him from coming inside a lot of the time. So I don't think that's particularly an issue. And he's he's the most athletic player in our in our side. So I don't know who else really we're gonna. Who else is going to manage him to that to that ability? But um, no, I don't think it's an issue if he plays this kind of like an inverted wing back. Um, look, we're limited for options. Um, it's it's either going to be Willock, uh, Odebajo, or Kakai, uh, whether we like it or not. And um, no, I just think Odebajo is pretty best suited for it. And he and he's he can go up and down the left flank when we when we attack as well and cut inside. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say Odebajo personally. And then let's look at um, the centre-back position, specifically Dunn or Device, um, because Dunn has scored the goal against Preston to get us back into the game. But obviously he, he is a major part in the first goal that we conceded. Device has, I, I, I guess now he must be fully fit. He has been on the bench the last couple of games. And he, did he come on the other day against Preston? Device. Yeah, he definitely came on yeah, for the bench came, in one he, of the games. He came he? on for oh who's it now? Did he come on for Willock and Barbe shifted over? Poss- yes, po- yeah, he did. So like device is fit to play. Who would you rather have device or done? <sighs> because you probably that I don't know, but that centre back is gonna do a lot of one on ones with Mitrovic, I'd imagine. Whatever, really. Yeah, he's going to be playing down the middle most of the time. He's going to be getting that player coming up against him. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't him, I'd rather have Dicky over Barber next to Mitrovic. But who do you, who would you want there? Um, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Device. Um, purely, it's just, uh, it's a hard one, but. The example would be the kind of error against Preston where he didn't really use his body correctly against, uh, I think it was Emil Reese, who's not particularly as physic- physic- physically dominant as Mitrovic. I mean, you could toss it, you could t- realistically, you could toss a coin here between the two, but I just think 
device hasn't really done anything wrong this season at all. I think he, he only came out of the team because he had a knock or something. Knock or something. He, got, he got injured in one of the games. I can't remember which yeah. one. But I mean, he had that slip. He had that slip against Bristol City, but no, you can't you can't um, criticize him for that. So I, I'd I'd bring it device personally, but I don't think there's there's too much in it between the two. I tend to agree with you. I think device is more of an imposing figure as well. I think he's shown as well this season. He's smarter than he he's looks. He's more aggressive. He just looks. He just looks a bit more aggressive in his in his challenges. In his yeah, I don't know. He just like they both they both want it. Obviously, done. You've seen the passion from Dunn, but. I don't know, there's something about device that just, yeah, looks physically looks physically more imposing. Yeah, and I'm not going to say he's going to make Mitrovic really scared, but I would rather have him going up against him. Mitrovic is a wily old campaigner at this point in the game, and he's going to go down, he's going to fight, he's going to, you know, you, you want someone that's going to engage Mitrovic with him a little bit, because you can get him, if you wind him up, he kind of loses focus of what he's meant to be doing, and he's meant to be scoring goals. Whereas... I think Device has got, he's not going to back down from anything. And as long as he doesn't go too far, I think that's exactly what you want against him. You know, I'm not saying that Dunn would back down at all, but I just think Device has shown himself to be a slightly better defender at this point in, you know, in their comparison in their careers. And I just, they think that he would be a better option going up against Mitrovic. Um, so I've got a few more things to talk about in kind of more generic things so we'll tag them on to the end of the Blackburn preview so that is what we're moving on to now um, so as I mentioned we've have them Tuesday evening uh, at home what do we expect from Blackburn still managed by Tony Mowbray um, fairly they're fairly um, decent in attack I mean they're, they're better probably on the on the counter than then they're not really a possession type side. They're quick and direct. Um, interestingly, Diaz mainly plays off the left of a front of a three behind uh, the striker. So a bit similar to what we've seen previously against Blackburn, where sometimes Armstrong will drift left and then he will like make them out out to in runs. Um, so that's probably something to be aware of, particularly with our positioning on the right hand side. Um, they play a 4-2-3-1, similar to Fulham. Um, they have conceded quite a high volume of shots defensively, so that could that is something that could go in our favour. Um, and yeah, they're just generally quick, quick and direct side, like I've said, and they're, they're quite passive in their press as well. Okay, so kind of ticking a few boxes from our point of end, point of view. You know, you're conceding lots of shots. They don't like the possession. Quite happy to sacrifice that to us. I don't know what that would be like if we played away from home, but certainly at home, you've got to imagine that if we've got the majority of possession, then we're going to be you know, dominating the game, hopefully, and finding some form here. Um, you mentioned him already. The standout player for them is Brereton Diaz. 10 goals in 11 games, exactly the same as Mitrovic. Average is slightly worse. Ninety Every 99 minutes, he scores a goal, which you know is not to be sniffed at, really. Um, I, I was looking at the stats and I have to admit I had a bit of a sort of brain dead moment because I was looking through it and thinking, blimey, he's done good, isn't he? He's out, he's outscored Armstrong. Armstrong hasn't scored a single goal. But then I remembered, oh yeah, Armstrong is now playing for Southampton. He's in your fantasy football team, Alex, in the Premier League. No wonder he hasn't scored any goals in the sodden championship. But apart from that moment, they look they've had a 
decent-ish start to the season. They always seem to be a sort of mid-table kind of side. They can lose when they get into good positions. And they have lost their last two games against Blackpool and Huddersfield. So, you know, with the international break, Diaz has travelled a few miles. This has got to be another game where we're looking at it thinking three points for us, surely. You think you think so? I mean, I've been surprised by Blackpool's, um, well, I'd say a good start for them, um, considering what I think they were one of the teams to have a transfer embargo at the start of the season. They didn't really sign anyone and then they had to let Armstrong go. So, no, I've been surprised with, with how well they've done. They've got quite a few few nice young young players. I think uh, his name's Tyrese Dolan, plays on the right wing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's quite an impressive player. But, no, you going back to the question about the three points, you'd, you'd expect the three points, but then it's kind of one of those, one of those sides that we don't like playing against because they're just going to counter against us and we're susceptible to a lot of counters. So... If, we, if we've got that, if we if we've improved from Bristol City um, in terms of preventing transitions, I think it shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, you you would expect three points from this game, I'd say. Yeah, having a look at um, a few of their sort of fans and the, a few match reports from the last game against Blackpool, it looks like they had a few sort of defensive mistakes, a few sort of brain dead moments that cost them. And you mentioned him, Tyrese Dolan is actually a doubt for tomorrow's game for them against Coventry. Obviously, you know, we <laughs> well, that, that, that's you try and when we do these previews, we're obviously doing them a few days out, and there's a whole 90 minutes that th- these teams have got to play before they've got they come to us. But San Gallagher, Harry Pickering, Tyrus Dolan are doubts, and Daniel Ayala is also going to struggle to make tomorrow's game against Coventry. Berenton Diaz is in a similar position to Andre Gray, having only just arrived back in the country, having played for Chile, and you know, he scored a few goals out there. So it's anyone's guess who's actually going to play against us. They could potentially have a few more injuries um, after tomorrow's game against Coventry. And it was found interesting that um, they had a few academy players. I don't know what stage they are in their career, but Hayden Carter and Tyler McGlure, I'm going to guess that's how you say his name. They uh, replaced some well-known or quite common players for them, uh, Dan Lenman and Ryan Nyambe, who are the right-back and centre-back, and one of them is the captain as well. So they came in and got quite bad abuse on Twitter, apparently, after the game. Um, seemingly, it was their fault for the goals, and Ayala was quite exposed in their game against Blackpool as well. So um, whilst they are in a good position, hopefully we can catch them in a little bit of poor form. Yeah, that I mean... What you just said then about um, Ayala being exposed, I think that could be quite interesting, particularly if um, Andre Gray plays the midweek game. I'm presuming he's not going to feature at all much in the Fulham game, so that could be could be something we look to exploit with a with a bit of pace. So yeah, and with um, a sort of generic question for both games we've seen we've conceded quite a few goals recently how do we improve on recent performances uh specifically defensively god that's there's a there's a there's quite a few things i mean by the way we've only got 10 more minutes or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's a it's a hard one because i mean i've said this i'm pretty sure i've said this on previous pods that there's certain things that we don't do no matter what so like but going back to that quote, we've got to impose our style. It's kind of 
uh, our problem almost is our adaptability in game situations because um, we don't really like we don't press we, we're quite effective in like turnovers defensively and um, turning them into shots but like think about how much of a better side we'd be if we were, were to press that that bit more aggressively um, I mean we don't mark man to man either which Fulham have struggled to to deal with so whether we switch it on uh, switch it tomorrow be be interesting to see but no I think tweaks just like adaptability in situations to uh, prevent errors that we've seen over the last few weeks um yeah maybe maybe a little bit um stronger press against Fulham or against Blackburn we'll see but no I think there's the problems are almost because we don't adapt if that makes sense Mm. I mean that's always been a little bit of a problem with the Warburton side isn't it he's very stubborn and stuck in his ways yeah you can see that with we've going through a little bit of a challenge with the players that we've got available and he's perhaps rightly not walking away from this five at the back system because it's done so well for us. Whereas it could, you could just say it's easier if we just went four at the back, just play uh, Kako right back and Odebajo le- left back. And then you could have a Doma coming into the side as well, uh, further up the pitch. So, you know, but he is very uh, stubborn and it's, it's got us points so far this season. So, you know, we'll leave it to him in that sense. But um, what, what is going to give us the best chance of winning against Fulham and Blackburn as well? Um, well, Fulham, Fulham specifically, I think we've just got to move the ball quickly. Um, they're quite a good pressing side as well as possession side. So we're going to have to, we're going to, if we're going to want to resist that press, we're going to have to move the ball with, with intention and pace. Um, defend quite, um, narrow against Fulham to block off them central areas potentially um I mean that's all without that's that's without saying we we could press press better and things like that um against Fulham I mean in terms of Blackburn that's more more focusing on our like behind the ball structure when we're attacking the numbers and stuff like that because they will look to hit us on the break in them spaces um to open up open up our defense so I mean, they, they're kind of two different tests, if, if you like, but both sides are good on the break. And then Fulham are good on good in possession and good on the press. So we've got kind of different situations. But yeah, that's why that's why I do. Yeah. Um, so let's now look at our own, as I said, top high flying top scorer, seeing as we've mentioned many of them. Uh, and I'm not talking about Lyndon Dykes, who's at a fantastic international break for Scotland. He's scored twice this time round and has become the first Scotland player since 1969 to score in four consecutive games. I just thought I'd sneak that in there um, because he's he's done wonders for Scotland. And I, they've some, I saw a, a tweet about if London Dykes hadn't scored any goals, or he'd take them away from Scotland. Scotland ended up with like five points so far in this uh, oh, yeah, I saw campaign. That, yeah, yeah. And it just shows how much of an impact he's made. And actually, he's not well-liked by Scotland fans for some reason. And I think QPR fans are finally warming up to him as well. But he does score goals when he gets going. Um, so I'm just very happy with that. And he's really done a good job for Scotland. But the striker we were meant to talk about before I went off on tangent is Macaulay Bond playing for Ipswich right now out on loan he has also got nine goals in 11 games and averages a goal every 91 minutes 
he's created that beautiful goal where he knocked the ball out of the keeper's hands, which was some fantastic awareness from him. Don't even talk to me about the keeper. That was an absolute nightmare. And has a goal conversion rate of, or sorry, shot conversion rate of 68, 38%. 0.99 goals per 90 minutes. The joint top goal scorer in League One. How fantastic has he been so far? Um, very good, very good to be fair. Um, I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of the Ipswich games per se, but now nah, considering the limited game time he kind of got with us, um, I think he it was a numerous amount of substitute appearances and only a handful of starts. It's good to see him um, firing and looking like he's enjoying his football. Um, but I mean, he's not—he's not really changed from for me anyway. He's still not that clinical striker striker that he ne- he never really has been. I mean, there was a miss. I think I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a miss earlier on in the season where I think it was against Cheltenham where he managed to lob the keeper, but then he missed the follow up with the header and. Um, so he hasn't really lost that kind of wedge, but no, it's good to see him in good form. So, so would you say, because a big question for a lot of people is, do we bring him back? Like, would you, you know, would you even consider it? No, no, absolutely not. Not for me. Um, I think this is only coming to the conversation for me because he's on a complete hot streak. I mean, I did, I think um, Charlie from Talking Rangers, he put something on Twitter the, uh, the other day um, for me in Holloway. But I just had a look on uh, Opta uh, and just see what his numbers were like. And he scored nine goals from an XG of 5.4. Now, to me, that's a big, big over overperformance. And there's a few things to factor in context-wise before, before you, you look at that numbers. I mean, he's... Average three shots per game for an Ipswich side that are supposed to be up there, if that makes sense, which isn't really, um, well, it's not really good enough for an Ipswich side with bundles of quality. Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's scoring every every shot and that's not that's not particularly what you, you'd you expect with um, Macaulay Bunn. And they've so got... It's not Ipswich. sustainable really, is it? No, no, no. Yeah, I was just going to come on to that. It's not, it's not sustainable. Well, at least at that current rate, um, by some distance, Ipswich of what was the stat? Ipswich of um, had the second fewest shots in the league, so that's not it's not a good sign to for Macaulay Bon at least. Um, I mean, look, he, he could could come top scorer, he could score a lot of goals, and that's that's good for him. But I don't think that current rate. I think that current rate over over exaggerates why the, the debate um, the debate around him's happening for me. Yeah, and I think also it's quite a simple point, but he's his hometown is Ipswich. He's back in familiar surroundings again. You don't really know how good that could be, and how much how you know it could work wonders for a com- for the confidence of a young player just being back in his hometown, being familiar familiar surroundings. We know that he's had some horrible family troubles over the past year or so, so it's been difficult for him, no doubt. And the fact that he, if he if he's enjoying his football at Ipswich, that's fantastic because he's still our player. He could still come back to us. I don't know, you know, depending on what division will be in next season, he could come back to us a better striker for this loan deal. No, absolutely. Um, and I agree with what you're saying, especially the uh, the living in Ipswich um, and kind of like the that's where he's from. I mean, that's something that doesn't factor into the numbers and what I've said before. But um, 
I mean, if he's enjoying his football and he's confident, he's going to be scoring in front of goal. And that's that's kind of the the, the mental mental side of of being a striker. Um, and also, if he were if he was to come back to us, if we had an injury or whatever, all right, it'd give us the backup and cover. But a we've got the we've got the flexibility to not have to play two strikers all the time because we've got Willock, we've got Chair, we've got Thomas, um, we've got we've got others. Um, but also he'd be sit he'd be sitting on the um he'd be sitting on the bench a lot of the time. So I just don't think it's it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you there, Dan. And I say thank you for joining me on this podcast. I've had a great time chatting to you about the various things that are going on in QPR this week. Uh so this is the end of the podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss, review, look forward at other games. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe on Spotify and come on you ours.